You know, last Sunday, I began just a two-part series. I'm planning on ending it today, but we're calling it Unhinged, and we're trying to address what is going on with the rapid moral collapse that's taking place in our culture from a worldview perspective and trying to bring some sense to it. And for those of you that weren't able to be with us last week, I just want to highlight some of the points we talked about from last, last Sunday. You know, we said that ultimate reality has an author, and I just want to pause here because it's important for us to get down, you know, when you push away uh, the surface dirt, you want to get down to the foundation and figure out what in the world are you building your life upon? Uh, where, do you, where do you find solid ground? Where do you find meaning? And I hope you all realize that when people are honest, all right, if they believe in an evolutionary worldview, if they're honest about the implications of that worldview, life is meaningless. There is no meaning. Meaning is a figment of your imagination. Meaning is something that your brain cells magically uh, happen when chemicals come together, whatever. There is no meaning. Or they say, well, you know, everybody just make up whatever is meaningful to you. But there is no absolute meaning, meaning that there is no meaning, period. So life is meaningless. And you're just going through life trying to survive. You're trying to, uh, to meet momentary pleasures or whatever it is. You have no, no way to guide you. You have no pathway to take. You have no authority to stand on. Because the truth of the matter is ultimate reality has an author. What is real came from somewhere. It didn't come from nothing. In fact, that's another thing that's absolutely ridiculous about evolutionary thought is you can't get something from nothing. All right. How many of you know you have to start with absolutes? You have to start with someone who is eternal, all-powerful, and it fits the description of God Almighty. So ultimate reality has an author, and, and ultimate reality has a personal author. His name is Jesus. That's what we talked about last week. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the hinge that connects human beings with what's real and true. If you get rid of that hinge and everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. You have absolute chaos. You have what's happening in America today. You have absolute chaos taking place. Uh, you find things uh, fraying at the seams. Uh, things are becoming overall meaningless, chaotic, more and more divisive. Um, it's because we've gotten rid of the hinge. Jesus is the hinge to the door that connects me with what is real. As soon as you get rid of the hinge, the door's falling down, and the sad thing is you're moving into great darkness. We said that Jesus is both the designer of reality, in other words, he created it, and that gives him the right to be the definer of reality, which means he gets to make the rules. Now, let's just connect some dots here. Look at what Colossians 1.16 says. Everything was created through Jesus and for Jesus. Sometimes people say, you know, Pastor, the Bible's just hard to understand. Okay, I get it. There are certain passages of Scripture that might be a little more challenging, require a little bit more brain work. But let me just connect some dots with you. God said he is co-creator with his son Jesus Christ. He created everything that is. How many of you know we better pay attention? Like you can't just gloss over that. You better pause and recognize what he just said. And he said something else that's radical, and I want you to hear this. No human being on planet Earth, no religious leader, no prophet, uh, none of those people, no philosopher, none of those people have ever said, everything was created by me and for me. You're all still sleeping. How do you know that's a crazy claim? Who says that? Who in their right mind says that? And yet that's what the Bible says about Jesus. So how many of you know you have to pause there, and if you're smart, you should recognize two things. I'm not here by my choice or anything that I had to do with anything. I'm here by grace. Secondly, I'm not my own. My life's purpose is found in discovering the one who created me. Which means if you don't know Jesus, you're out of touch with ultimate reality for your life. 
I know what I'm saying. It, it, if you're getting it, it's radical. It's crazy. It's totally countercultural. But it's the Bible. And we're supposed to believe the Bible. At least followers of Jesus are supposed to believe the Bible. I'm speaking to the right crowd. You guys are awful quiet this morning. So there's an ultimate creator who created everything that is. His name's Jesus. And you exist by him and for him. Which means we all should be going, Jesus, take my life, every part of it. I submit to you. We should all be hitting the ground and giving our lives wholeheartedly to Christ right now. If you are a dot connector. I mean, that's just simple, isn't it? That one verse could change somebody's life in here today. Because here's the deal. If you reject Jesus, then you're rejecting ultimate reality. You're rejecting the creator. And you're putting him on the level of just some other good person, and he's not just a good person. He's the one that says, all of you in me exist for him. That, that is an audacious statement that no human being can make. The pers- if that's true, that person deserves everything. Our full worship, our full surrender, our everything. And then we said not only that, but look at the second verse, Colossians 1.17. Jesus Christ existed before anything else, and Jesus holds everything together. This is amazing. That means that Jesus is eternal, and Jesus is the one who holds the universe together even now. I mean, that's just stunning. So if you want your life to be aligned with purpose and blessing and fulfillment, in fact, we said Jesus is the way, right? Which means that he shows us life's purpose. Can I just say this? There are people saying, I'm just trying to find myself. Will you just stop it? You're not trying to find yourself. You're running in rebellion from your creator, and as soon as you surrender, you'll find yourself. You'll never, life will never make sense by yourself on your own. You were never intended to define who you are, your existence, or your purpose. That is reserved for one man. His name is Jesus. So let's quit all this psychobabble you're trying to find yourself. No, submit your life to Christ. Repent of your sins. Turn to the Lord. Humbly come to God, and you'll be amazed at how much light shines on who you are and why you're here and what God created you to be. Come on, this is good news for a whole bunch of somebodies out here today. When we say Jesus is the truth, that means when Jesus says something about anything, it's true, and we need to listen to it, and all views contrary are lies. That's what that means, just interpreting that for you. He's not one way to truth, he's the truth. And when we say Jesus is the life, hear me, because this is the most radical. What Jesus claims is if you do it his way and you follow him, that that is the pathway to maximum fulfillment and pleasure both now and forevermore. He is the fullness of life. And those who know Christ experience life to its maximum level. Isn't that good news? Not sub-life, not, oh, you Christians, you poor Christians, you're so boring people, blah, blah. Oh, be quiet, you don't even know what you're talking about. We are people who are living life to the fullest because of Jesus Christ. That's part of our message. So to reject Christ is literally to turn off the lights of the universe. And that's where we are in America today. We're drifting there. Not that we've got all the lights off, but the many lights are off. And the result is this deep moral and spiritual darkness. We don't know our right hand from our left hand. We talked about this last week. 
We've got people that are confused about the purposes of sex. In fact, this was interesting. Uh, you, some of you remember a number of years back, I had the pleasure of being interviewed with Cynthia McFadden on a national news show. And, uh, and afterwards, she sat there and chatted with me, and I challenged her. I said, Cynthia, are we really living in a day when we can make no moral distinctions whatsoever? Because that's really what the left and what the progressives are saying. There really are no moral distinctives as it relates to sexual expression. But I, can I just give you all a hint? The one who created sex has the right to define sex, and we better listen to him if we're looking for maximum sexual enjoyment. Boy, I sound like Dr. Ruth up here this morning. God also spoke about gender. We should not be confused about whether we're male or female. There's indicators. We've talked about those. It's not real complicated. We're male or we're female, but we're not 100 and counting options. That's not reality, and that's not what the Lord has said. We're also not having multiple uh, definitions of what marriage looks like. Because Jesus defined marriage for us, and Jesus is the way, and he's the truth, and he's the life, and he's the end of the discussion. So when Jesus speaks about marriage, the issue is settled. It's not just settled for religious people. It's settled for people who care about ultimate reality and being in touch with reality. Jesus' truth claims are not just for church folks. They're for the world. Jesus isn't the light of the church. He's the light of the world. Jesus isn't just the Christian light. Jesus is the light for Muslims and for Hindus and for everybody else. Jesus is the one true light that lights the whole world. That's what Jesus said. I believe him. How about you? But pastor, that's so politically incorrect. Who cares? I'm with him. I'm with Jesus. When Jesus speaks, I'm with him. So here's the question we're asking today. The foundations of law and order have collapsed. Psalm 11, verse 3. Here's the question. What can the righteous do? In a world that's becoming increasingly unhinged from absolute truth, from God's truth, what should be our response? What is the thing we do? Now, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I watch the news, I look at all this going on, has anybody besides me just been absolutely overwhelmed and hopelessness starts to creep in? I mean, in fact, have any of you even asked the question, what are we supposed to do? I mean, I just want you to know in prayer, I ask that question a lot, because I believe God wants to speak to his people to provide wisdom and direction in perilous times. So I ask that question a lot. Um, let me just say this, too, before I get into being overwhelmed. Uh, I shared this last week. We know many, many wonderful people, and you know wonderful people, whose sons and daughters are struggling with the very issues that I talked about. And I just want to make it real clear here today. We are lovers of people. We're lovers of all people. We're lovers, lovers of people that are in all kinds of messes and fixes. In fact, such were some of us, but we've been washed and cleansed and healed and redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Amen? That's the testimony of the church. So we're not here pointing fingers. We're not here judging. We're not here alienating people. We're not here uh, somehow communicating that if you're not perfect, you're not welcome. How many of you know none of us would be welcome in, in the church until we officially admit that we're sinners anyway? So we're all on common ground at the foot of the cross. Praise God for that. But I'll just tell you this. We have got to start speaking the truth, shining the light, loving people in the midst of where they are, but continuing to hold the line on absolute reality because when we lose absolute reality, as I shared last week, the emperor loses his clothes and he's running around naked and he's waiting for someone to say, hey, emperor, you ain't got nothing. And that's where we're at today. We need to raise our voices because we have a lot of people masquerading uh, in the nude as far as moral clarity and we need to help folks out.
So here's the deal. A lot of times we see the world, it gets out of control, and we fall into several things. How many of you have ever felt paralyzed? Like, what do I do? All right. How many of you have ever dipped in the cup of negativity, right? And you start going, oh, my gosh, the world, oh, oh wine, well, blah, blah, blah. you don't know what I'm talking about, right? Negativity. And then we fall into despair. Oh, it's getting bad, and it's going to get worse. Hopelessness, fear. How many of you have ever been afraid? I've heard people, I've actually heard Christian people say this. I don't want to bring any kids into the world because this world is such a terrible place. How many of you know fear is never the response? Never the response of God's people to anything that's shaking around us. In fact, can I just remind us this morning that the Bible says as we get closer and closer to the birth of Christ's kingdom and its fullness that the shaking is going to increase. The Bible alludes it to a picture of a woman who's in childbirth and she's moving towards that time when that baby's gonna be delivered. And any of the ladies in this room know when you uh, move into uh, the intense labor right before that baby comes, it's intense. Uh, and everything that can be shaken is being shaken. And can I just tell you, when, when the earth continues to shake, there should be a group of people who ain't shaken. We're baking, all right? We're shaking and baking. We're, doing, we're worshiping. We're, 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 that wasn't even in the notes. I don't know if that was the Holy Spirit or not. But anyway, that was, all right, so <laughs> have some fun with me. We're, we're not paralyzed. I mean, you know, we know where we're going. We're, we're not overwhelmed, and we're not wringing our hands. I mean, some Christians, you get around some Christians, oh, my gosh, we're in the end times. It's going to go from bad to worse. I mean, you know, that's a half-truth. We are in the end times, we're, we're, and things are going to go from bad to worse. But for God's people, they're going to go from good to better. i got to say that again. For God's people, it's going to go from good to better because the glory of the Lord is going to be on God's people. We're going to see an amazing harvest of souls. We're going to see the power and demonstration of the gospel. We're going to be breaking into new areas that have never heard of the gospel before. We're going to be advancing in the midst of shaking. That's what I'm going to be on. What are you guys going to be doing? I'm not going to be hiding in a closet. I'm not going to be biting my spiritual fingernails off. I'm not going to be wringing my hands. I'm not going to be talking, hear me, about the Antichrist. I'm going to be talking about the Jesus Christ, the one who wins. You know, I learned something when I was running for office. They said, hey, pastor, pastor, don't mention your opponent by name. You give them free publicity. Just mention that they're your opponent. Can I tell you all something? Quit giving the devil free publicity. He doesn't deserve to be mentioned by name. He's just our adversary. Lord of the poop fly hill, all right? That's who he is, the dung hill. That's oh, Mr. Poopy Pants. That's the guy we're talking about. But we're not giving him a name because he's a loser. Focus on winning. Focus on where we're going. Focus on the power of the gospel. Quit being pessimistic. You can focus on the shaking, but why don't you focus on the baby? Oh, I'm feeling, yeah, you're feeling something. That means there's a baby coming. Hallelujah. Y'all with me? What are we focusing on? Let's be optimistic, not pessimistic. I'm, gonna, I'm on a roll here. I just got to keep, I'm kicking over some sacred cows. All right, let me kick another one. Quit being victims. I'll tell you, what, I'll tell you what's dividing America the most. Victims. Everybody's a victim. Stop it. Put on your big boy pants. 
move forward in faith. The church should be a place that's not a gathering of victims. It's a place where every nationality comes as victors under the blood of Jesus Christ. As soon, as soon as you start waving the victim flag, here's what you just did. You just handed over all authority and control over your life. I can't do anything, I'm a victim, I don't have this, I don't have that, I can't, my mom did this, my dad did this, stop it, stop it, that's how unbelievers talk, that's how people that don't move in faith talk, I'm not saying all those things don't have something to do with you, but for crying out loud, who lives inside of us, what power lives inside of us, what promises do we have, we don't need to be victims, in this world. Christ has overcome everything in this world. We're with him. So let's start talking about, if we're in the middle of something, start talking about where we're going. If we're knocked down, let's start talking about what we're going to do when we get up. But we're not going to be victims. Because Jesus wasn't even victim. And he went through everything he went through. He wasn't a victim. He's an overcomer. And he paved the way for us. So here's what I want us to see. We need to start turning our hopelessness into a gift. And the way that we do that is we start turning it into a stepping stone instead of a stumbling block. Maybe the, maybe the chaos that's swirling around us is shaking us up because God's intent is always to shake us up to move us to the rock, to move us to the place where we can stand, to move us to greater intimacy with him, to cause us to get into the word of God. And can I just share with you, I have to confess, with, with this 24-hour news cycle stuff going on, how many of you know, first of all, they have 24 hours of news about anything you're going to be looking for something you can stir up all the time. I mean, you've got to fill 24 hours with disasters, every other kind of, uh, of crisis that we could possibly face. And can I just tell you, part of our problem is we're trying to control things over which we have no control. Let me give you some examples. You know, I wish I could control the stock market. I'd tell you what to invest in, and I could control it, pull some switches and levers, and we'd all be fa- you know, fantastically rich. We'd live happily ever after, right? Of course, we know that's not true, but that would be great if we could control the stock market. But you know, guess what? Anybody can control the stock market. See us afterwards, all right? We're going to make some investments together. <laughs> I wish I could control North Korea. But you know what? I can't control North Korea. Can, can anybody control North Korea? We'll, we'll sign you up as a... I can't... I wish I could control President Trump's Twitter account. I wish I could control that. I'd like to tone, tone a few things down. But guess what? You know what? I can't control that. And let me just tell you, there's a whole million things out there that none of us can control. But I'll tell you what happens. They start weighing on us. And I don't know about you, but I started finding out that the more time I spent watching evening news, the, the angrier and more frustrated I got. So let me just tell you something. Your pastor's not encouraging you to be culturally irrelevant because you know that would not be coming out of my mouth. But I will say this. Get your news from good sources. Get it in little bites so you can stay abreast of what's going on. And take that time that you spent frustrating yourself and filling your heart with anger and turn it to time in the Word and time in the presence of God and time loving people and serving people and time being proactive. It used to be I'd have to deal with my own family and my own family issues and the needs that I faced just in the church family or something like that. But now we turn on the news and now we have Northwest Indiana news and crisis and this and that. And then we have statewide and now we have national news. And guess what? We can get depressed with international news. There's, we're living in a broken world. There's wars, there's disease, there's famine, there's, there's natural disasters. There's all kinds of stuff going on. But can I just encourage us 
let's have a strategic shift of focus right now, and let's focus, ready for this? Let's focus on what we can control. How many of you know when you, when you focus on what you can control, it empowers you? And I'm not talking about carnal control. I'm not talking about fear-based control. I'm talking about Holy Spirit, believer in the word, loving Jesus, wanting to be part of the solution kind of control. What, in other words, what is the Lord asking of me? All right? I'm going to give you a few things here before we wrap up. I want to take you to the spiritual control panel, and I want to give you five things that we can control. And, I, and if you agree, I want you to shout out a big amen with me, all right? Number one thing I can control. I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose to build my life on God's word. How about you? Now, let's just mess with that a little bit. I am not going to succumb to the irrational, feeling-based, moral relativism that is currently destroying our nation. I'm not going to succumb to it. I'm going to base my reality on the truth of God's word. Now, let me just lay some foundation here. Look with me at Psalm 119, verses 160. Or verse 160. The sum of your word is true. That means and when you take every word uttered by Jesus, you put it all together, what you get is truth. How many of you are interested in truth besides me? And every one of your righteous rules endures for how long? Can I just tell you something boldly? God's view on life is not out of style. God's view on marriage, it's eternal. God's view on sexual expression endures forever. You know, there are, there are cultural smarty pants out there that try to tell you that's just some old book written by men. You guys are basing your morality on a bunch of shepherds living 2,000 years ago, writing their Ten Commandments on stone and all this kind of stuff, and they mock, 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 mock. Let me go to the next verse I like to bring up in moments like that. Romans chapter 3, verse 4. Though everyone else in the world is a liar, God is not. God's words will always prove true and right no matter who questions them. I don't care what political label you're, you're wearing. I don't care how many PhDs or what alphabet you have. I don't care what a big smarty pants you think you are. God says, compared to him, we're all liars. I wish the Bible were, were more politically correct. You know what I mean? I wish God were just a little more nice. No, the Bible's saying that our righteousness and truth compared to his makes you and me liars. His words are always proved true and right, no matter who questions them. Can I just encourage you? We need to stop getting so tied up with our opinion and start lining up with his opinion because then if somebody said to you, well, that's just your belief, you could say, well, no, excuse me, I'm just reporting the news. The news is God has spoken about this and God has not changed his mind and God's views are eternal. I heard people in the debate on same-sex marriage and other things say, the church needs to get caught up to the culture. Excuse me, we don't need to follow the culture for anything. The culture needs to come in alignment with the word of God that is true and lasting and forever. Pastor, you guys are behind the times. No, your guys are way behind the times. Our Bible already talks about everything your agenda is pushing. Those nations no longer exist. And if we continue to push those things, we will no longer exist as a nation. God is the most woke being in the universe, I tried to tell you. And any time we think in our culture today that somehow we read about, well, pastor, do you believe that a giant fish really swallowed Jonah? Yes! 
The God who created the fish, the God who knows the fish by name, the God who calls the fish and the fish listens, the God who chases after prophets who are disobedient, spits them out on land, the God who spoke things into existence. The problem is, Mr. Smarty Pants, your view of God is so tiny you cannot comprehend the greatness of a God who, ma- who makes all the stars and calls them by name too. Are you kidding me? Who do you think you are? Oh my gosh, you guys believe that? I believe it all from, from Genesis to the maps. I believe it all. We've got to start proclaiming it. Thus saith the Lord. You know, every one of you is a prophet to the degree that we say, Thus saith the Lord. Speak what God has said to our culture. Don't be ashamed about what God said. Don't be ashamed. You know, I get people say, well, you know, Pastor, when we're down at the state house, you know, we have to talk in terms of social, social studies and all these kinds of things because, you know, we, we, we can't use, like, religious term. Oh, be quiet. God's not claiming to have the truth about religious things. God's claiming to have the truth about all reality. He's not going to be put in a box. I'm not going to go, well, you know, really, I'd like to tell you that Jesus invented marriage, but I can't use Jesus because we're in public. God owns the public arena. He created the public arena. You think God's like, yeah, I'd really like to share something, but you guys can't let me out, separation of church and state. God didn't create separation of church and state. Courts created the separation of church and state. God has an institutional separation. God God has never intended to be removed from any aspect of life. So we need to start stepping up to the plate. We need to start declaring the truth. Let me quickly go to the next one. Oh, I, I got one more thing. I got to hit this. Look at John 18, 37. Jesus says, for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I've come into the world, to bear witness to truth. Everybody who is of the truth listens to my voice. Have you figured out Jesus said things that are so audacious, nobody would even think about it? Jesus just stood up in front of the whole world and said, if you care about truth, listen to me and be on my side. So I'm, I'm connecting some dots here. How many of you want your life to matter? How many of you don't want to live a lie? How many of you don't want to be deceived? How many of you want to know, like, what should I believe about things? How many of you know the place to start is Jesus? The place to start is his word. The place to start is every word that's spoken from the mouth of God, in some, is totally true. And it endures forever. That's where we start, unashamedly. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. You know what, there are, there are church denominations and religious people all dressed up in all kinds of gowns and every other kind of, of religious garb who are down at the state house promoting things that, in direct contradiction to what the scriptures said and what Jesus said. If you're gonna be a follower of Christ, listen to what Jesus said. Submit to what Jesus said. Obey what Jesus said. Follow what Jesus said. Or go join another social club. But you're not following the Christ. You're not following truth. And you're not basing your life upon the eternal, true one, Jesus Christ, the light of the world. It's time for the church to to wake up in these times and figure out what we believe. Because frankly, we're part of the problem. Because we're not sending out a clear sound as to what the Lord has said about these things. I've got to move on quickly because you guys are talking way too much. (laughs) Point number two, I'm going to choose to train my children. You know, when I shared last week, hey, look what's going on in public schools, especially in liberal places where p- people are having their kids taken out of their homes simply because they don't agree with the LGB, 
Q uh, vision, all right, or transgenderism or whatever, having kids removed from state departments and things, governments out of their home. How many of you know when you hear something like that, if you're a parent and you have kids, you should be going like, what? I mean, like the hair on the back of my neck, the little bit that I have stands up. But here, here's, what, here's what you should be hearing. You should be incredibly concerned because ideas have consequences. But number two, you should not be in fear. Because here's the truth. It doesn't matter what environment's out there. I'm in charge of my kids. And, and, and educators need to hear this, especially some of the, the left-leaning educators. The, the, our kids don't belong to the public schools or any, anybody else's school. Our kids belong to parents who created them and who raised them. You need to get this. This is the Bible. So when, when, a, when an elected official or a school official tells you this is the way it's going to go against your wishes, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. That's when you draw the line. So here's the deal. We need to pray for public school teachers that are godly people. We have many of them here, educators, uh, administrators. Thank God for Christian people being salt and light in the public schools. My dad was one for 35 years, led many, many young people to Christ. I want to encourage you, lead people to Jesus in the public schools. Teachers, shine the light. Tell young people about the Lord. Give them hope. Pray with them if they ask for help. Uh, this is all within our legal limits, and even if it were illegal, who cares anyway, because that's what we're supposed to do. All right? So um, some of you are doing uh, private school, private Christian schools. Thank God for people who said, you know what, we've had enough. We want Jesus to be the center of the curriculum. We're going to start a Christian school with Christ as a center. Praise God for visionaries. Amen? Thank God for our Christian schools. Some of you are saying, hey, I'm going to do uh, homeschool. I want my kids to be under my leadership and guidance. When Marion and I were doing that, when our family was started, I couldn't think of a better person to be teaching my own children than their mom, who loves them and cares for them and was pouring into them. Thank God for that. But everybody, what I'm trying to say is simply this. We're not going to wring our hands and go, oh my gosh, look what's happening. I could tell you about absolutely hideous things that are being taught under comprehensive sex education, teaching our kids to be sexually engaged, teaching all kinds of perverted things the Bible specifically prohibits. This is happening in public school systems, especially in our liberal states right now. Uh, there's stuff that you can't even, wouldn't be able to show your kids. It's obscene. The pictures are obscene. They're in public school curriculum on comprehensive sex education. So what would you do? Well, I'll tell you one thing. If I lived in one of those states, my kids are out of school in a second. Gone. Gone. Instantly. Um, and, and so you retain the right to lead. But I'm going to teach my kids the word of God. I'm going to lead by example. I'm going to love my family. The Bible says, go to that next verse. This is important. The Bible says that this should be part of our lifestyle. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 and 7. Go ahead, Jim. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them, notice, again and again to your children. Now let me tell you, some of the best discussions I have in my house are not centered around scripture and verse. They're, they're around what's going on in culture. We're talking about people with crazy ideas that are running for public office right now. Did you see the recent one? Well, one of our presidential nominees was asked straight out, uh, what would you do with Christian churches, uh, schools, um, charities who aren't in full agreement with the LGBTQ whatever agenda? He said, I would absolutely take away their 501c3 tax status. Let me just tell you what I would say. Well, I'll tell you the Christian version of what I would say. <laughs> Who died and made you king of the universe? Tax-exempt status did not come from our government. It was simply recognized by our government. It came from the Bible. It came from the Bible. 
I would tell a government official, who do you think you are to usurp the authority that's not yours to take a privilege that God has blessed his people with because we're not of this world, we're of a different world, we're not in your jurisdiction. But we got these people that are trying to tell you that they're just going to come in and take this away and take that away. Our rights do not come from government, they come from God. I'll say it again. Our rights don't come from a bureaucrat or a political party. They come from God. And as soon as somebody touches those rights, you have the right to defend them. I'm going to have to move on because I'm getting fired up. But I am saying this. Take responsibility for your kids. I'll talk to my son and daughter on the way to school, and we're talking about the latest crazy thing we heard some politicians say, and here's here's what I'm doing. I'm doing a critique, and my children are doing a critique on the stupidity, irrationality, and the tyrannical nature of such a law based on God's truth. How many know we got to connect the dots for our kids? Our kids kids understand injustice and tyranny. They can see it. It 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 takes a lot of moral darkness before you're so sophisticated you can't see it but kids get it in fact maybe we should have kids running the country that might be good because they go oh no that has to be wrong that's not right yeah they get it it takes a lot of moral uh, darkness to uh, to screw it up Um, but train your kids let me go quickly to the next one how about this we're going to we're going to train our kids we're going to base our life on God's word we're going to choose to love extravagantly we're going to do good we're going to love the least of these we're going to love our neighbors we're going to be part of the solution anybody in agreement with that in other words when things get shaken and we become the enemy guess what we're going to do we're just going to keep loving people in practical ways we're going to keep loving people we're going to keep being kind we're going to keep being civil we're going to keep being patient are you with me i can use some amens out there Um, but we're going to demonstrate the love of Jesus even in hostile climates. We're still going to lead our families. We're still going to love the Lord. We're still going to be basing our lives on the word, but we're going to choose to love extravagantly. The Bible says this. Uh, This is 1 Peter chapter 2. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. That means live like a godly person among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. The point is this. We should be different in the way we conduct our business. We should be people of integrity. My wife, bless her heart, we were down. We found this amazing plant sale. And we were, I was like a kid in heaven, you know, get buying all these plants because you all know I like the landscape. And Marion checked the ticket. And the most expensive plant didn't get rung up. Some of you are going, hallelujah, you just got blessed. No, I just got an integrity check. Marion goes, oh, that one's not on there. What? Let me check that. Um, And then guess what she did? She ran back inside, and she said, you know what? You didn't charge us for that plant. The lady about fell over. How many of you know we're called to live differently? We're not called to live in fear. We're called to live in faith. We're called to be generous. We're called to be people of integrity. We're called to live in such a way that people around us go, those people are different, and they like it. They might not understand it, but they like it. We're called to love our enemies. The Bible says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. The Bible says, let's think about ways we can motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Some of you saw the large megachurch in Indianapolis this past week. It was in the paper because they uh, gave several million dollars to to blot out people's uh, medical debt in their community. What a radical thing. They didn't ask whether those people were Christian or not. They just found out a list of people that were needy, and they said, our church wants to help, and they blotted it out. How many of you know we need to do more stuff like that? We need to recognize need. We need to go love people. Uh, It doesn't matter where they're coming from, what they're struggling with, whether they agree or disagree with us. We just need to love people. All right, let me go quickly. Number four, I'm going to choose to live confidently. 
Can I get an amen on that? You guys aren't helping me out here. Anybody else want to be confident in this time of shaking? Man, I do. The world's full of unrest. The world's full of greed. The world's full of scarcity. And the world's full of fear. But you know what? We don't live in the world. We live in the kingdom of God. And so we don't play by the same rules. So when everybody else is freaking out and suffering lack and unrest and greed and all those things, you know what? We're just going to confidently keep moving ahead. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. Isn't that good? If you walk in the fear of God, God will give you great confidence to face the challenges that are in front of us. I just want to encourage us as a church family, I don't know what the economy is going to do or this or that. Those things are out of our control, but I do know this. How how about we commit to loving God? We commit to hearing God and listening to His voice. We commit to walking together in love. And how about this? We continue to build and reach out and expand and love people until Jesus comes. You all with me on that? No shrinking back. No second guessing. You know, when things get tough, everybody wants to withdraw. No, when things get tough, that's when we need to reach out even more. We need to be more aggressive and more confident when things are rough, more generous. All right? Number five, we'll end with this. I choose to lead fearlessly. I'm not going to let the world's upheaval destroy my faith in God. There's going to be wars, the Bible says. There's going to be terrorists. There's going to be violence. Uh, But I am not going to live in fear. You know, a lot of people talk about what we're doing in the nations. When you go into unreached countries, those are places I like to joke around. Most unreached countries don't have Disney World on their free day, all right? There's, they're they're poverty-stricken. They're under dictators that are, that are wicked, evil people. There's great oppression and tyranny. And so the question is, do we really want to take the gospel there? Like, let's take Pakistan, for instance. Do we really want to go to Pakistan? I mean, that's like a dangerous place. There's, there's like radical uh, 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 Muslims over there. Well, guess what else is happening in Pakistan? One of the biggest harvests in the, that the world's seen in our time is happening in Pakistan. So what are you going to do? Are you going to shrink back or are you going to live boldly? I'm going to live boldly. Are we going to, are we going to wonder, wonder all the what-ifs? Are we going to say, hey, God's already conquered all the what-ifs. He's already crossed every bridge. Let's move out aggressively. Let's move out in faith. Let's, let's not let fear of the enemy or fear from what he wants to do cause us to shrink back. The Bible says, don't be afraid. I have re- ransomed you. I have called you by name. But God says, you are mine. Say to those with fearful hearts, Isaiah 35, 4, say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Don't f- be afraid, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies, and he's coming to save you. Isaiah 41, verse 10, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Don't be discouraged. I'm your God. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'm going to hold you up by my victorious right hand. You know, when I started uh, this passage in, in Psalm 11.3, I started this message talking about the foundations of law and order collapsing. What can the righteous do? How I many you know, sometimes we stop reading our Bible uh, before we need to. We need to go on to what it says next. You with me? So, hey, the foundations have collapsed. What can we do? Well, God gives the answer, and I'll close with this. Look at verse 4. But the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord still rules from heaven. He watches everyone closely, examining every person on earth. Two things God's doing right now. He's ruling. He's large and he's in charge. And the second thing he's doing is he's watching. Nobody is going to be able to hide from God. God even knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. Talk about feeling naked. Someday we will literally be standing before God, giving an account for everything we said and everything we did with our lives. How many of you know that's a sobering moment right there? But here's what gets me excited. 
when it looks like things, all hell's breaking loose, when it looks like the enemy's winning over here, or this is breaking out here, we need to remember God is in his holy temple. God is ruling and reigning. The the buck stops with him, and he's watching. What's he watching? I'll tell you what he's watching. He's watching you on your knees with your husband leading your wife and praying and saying, God, we give this situation to you. He's watching when you're looking at your finances and going, Lord, can we really afford to to hear your voice and obey and give in this situation? And you write the check anyway. He's watching. He's watching when you go back and tell the clerk that they missed something on your bill. He's watching. He's watching the way you treat your neighbor. He's watching the way you love the people down the street. He's watching the way you treat your family. He's watching nothing is outside of the view of God Almighty, including the deeds and acts of the wicked, including the the, uh, do-gooders who look good on the outside, but God knows on the inside their motivation is absolutely wicked. God knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. What can we do when the foundations are shaking? I'm going to keep looking to the one who reigns and who's watching. I'm going to build my life on the word of God, I'm going to raise my children for the glory of God. I'm going to live in a way where I demonstrate unconditional, radical love for Jesus. I am going to uh, live confidently and fearlessly and boldly and aggressively, and I'm going to be moving forward. In it. And here, how about this? Advancing the kingdom. Advancing the kingdom. Now, let me just say something else. I, I'm looking out and seeing a lot of our, our public school teachers. We have a lot of them here. I want you guys to hear my heart today. I wasn't in any way trashing public education. I was trashing bad public education, dangerous public education. I'm encouraging all of our teachers. I want you to know we love you. We believe in you. Thank God for you. If my dad had not been in the public school system, there are untold dozens and dozens and dozens of teenagers who would never have encountered Jesus because he loved them as a father in the school. He was handing out greatest is love New Testaments in the public school. I'm just saying, use your position for the glory of God. Wherever we're at. Well, I had, I had somebody, I won't mention any names, but on my cell phone right now is, from last week's message, is a sign on a bathroom door at her husband's place of work that said, I'm paraphrasing, this bathroom is open to whatever gender wants to use it. Thank you for your blah, 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 and for going with the politically correct moronic stupidity that's being, no, it didn't say that, I'm paraphrasing um, but again, I, I'm just telling you, if my daughter's in a women's restroom and a guy comes in, I'm in, and I'm on the back of his neck, and I'm saying, excuse me, but your plumbing goes in that bathroom, get out of my daughter's bathroom. It's time somebody told the emperor that he's naked and it's time that Jesus is back firmly in place on the throne and that what he says is true. Let every man be a liar. Let God be true. That's the declaration of the church of Jesus Christ. Stand to your feet. I want to pray with you this morning. I want to go back to the word that Chris had from the Holy Spirit about people that are just feeling overwhelmed or challenges or whatever. A lot of the things we talked about today And I also want to encourage that there are people here, today's message was really, uh, here's why some of you are having a hard time with what I just said. Some people don't like to come face to face with absolute authority in God Almighty. 
I get it. It's not popular. We're nicer than God. We're more sophisticated than God. We're smarter than God now, at least we think. But it's all idolatry. It's rebellion, and it's witchcraft, and it leads to tyranny. And we just need to tell it like it is. You need to submit yourself to the truth of who God is. You need to honor God. You need to stop rebelling against God. If he is the creator, then he owns you. Your life belongs to him, and it is your duty to submit to him and to lay your life down and say, Jesus, be my savior, and teach me what life is all about. That's what the gospel message is. Jesus Christ is coming. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. I'm doing the most loving thing I could possibly be doing as a messenger of the gospel, and I am warning everybody here this morning that now is the day of salvation. Now is the day to submit to God. Now is the day to yield to the Lordship of Christ in every dimension of your life, not just in your spiritual side of things, but in all of life to let Jesus Christ be Lord. It takes courage. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit. It takes strength that is not ours. I get all this, but God wants to give it to us so that we're part of the solution and not part of the problem. I want to invite our team to come forward. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, today is the day to submit. I'm saying stop rebelling, stop running, and yield yourself to the Lord and let him reveal himself to you. Today is the day for your salvation. If you're far from God, man, let's get back. Run back home. If you've been out doing your own way, blazing your own trail, run back to the Lord. Some of you have children that are trapped in this deception, and guess what? We want to pray with you. We want to stand boldly with you. We want to believe God for you while you continue to love and while you continue to speak the truth. So whatever that family situation is or work situation, let's believe that God is going to be setting people free at an even greater uh, pace from some of the things that we're talking about in this series. Some of you say, man, pastor, I just need boldness. I need Holy Spirit boldness. Well, come and get it. Let us pray for you. Some of you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let us pray that you be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, that you be bold witnesses for Jesus Christ. There's so much that we could get this morning from this message. But let's be committed to the word. Let's be committed to our kids and leaving a legacy, committed to our spouses, committed to the church of Jesus, committed to loving the world, committed to preaching the gospel fearlessly, and we're not gonna shrink back. We're gonna move full speed ahead uh, in this day of chaos, and we're going to bring light and order where there's chaos. So, Father, that's our desire. We ask you to help us now. Help us, Lord. We're fully reliant and dependent upon you. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.